G'day folks, welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia with over 20 years of experience in the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud of being transparent in everything we do. The podcast series is hosted by me, Johnny Manning, and we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition, pet care, training, and regular Ask a Vet segments. So thanks for tuning in. Now get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. G'day, raw feeding legends. Johnny Manning here, host of the Big Dog Pet Foods podcast, Pause and Listen. Now this is a warning. The following podcast may contain a few words your grandma won't approve of. Now we'll busily go away and wash our mouths out with soap to rectify our potty mouth, but please do stick around because it's a great chat and a great listen. Thanks heaps, guys. This is Johnny Manning uh, coming to you for a pretty special Christmas episode of Pause and Listen. Pause spelled P-A-W-S. Well, very clever. We did that. Very but it's pause clever. Pause take How'd a you... moment and listen as well. That's incredible, John. Jesus. But uh, finally got my man, Dr. Connor Brady, to have a chat with us. But this time it's in person. We're in the heart of Dublin. Yeah. Temple Bar's across the road. Look at this. Got our old sound Connell Street's right here. Yeah. This is, we're in the it's heart great. of Ireland. The homeland of Dr. Conor O'Brady and Conor, mate. Firstly, we'll get into another conversation in a minute. We've been yeah, talking for a while. straight into it. But uh, I just want to thank you, mate, for taking the time to come and have a chat. Thanks for uh, organizing. It's a real treat, mate. Thanks and, for organizing. Uh, Sorry for the delay. You were very, very patient there. So no, I no, appreciate no. It's, that. it's fine, mate. Yeah. But, um, but I just wanted to sort of go through you for a minute hmm. first, mate, if that's all right. Hmm. So, honours degree in zoology, hmm. doctorate in the effects of nutrition on behavior and gut morphology in mammals. Yeah. Oh, man, we're going to go into that. Yeah. Just put a pin in that. We need yeah. to talk about that. Yeah. But you're an author, The Feeding Dogs. I think it's the Amazon's highest rated book on it is. canine nutrition. Yeah, I'm delighted with that one. Yeah. yeah. Mate, you're an international speaker. You're a consultant to top pet food companies. You've got your own company called Dogs First, mm. which I want to get into that as well. Yeah. Uh, what else, mate? What What am I missing here? Oh... Uh... That's it, surely. That sounds That's it. good, that doesn't enough? it? It sounds good. If I, um, it's great hearing that. Really, it's great hearing it back. Like ten years ago, yeah, none of that was in place, and you're just battling against it as a pet food manufacturer for a few, oh, pet food. Ma- yeah, and, there's one and raw pet medics as oh, well. Raw pet medics, yeah, raw pet medics is going well. That's our our podcast. That's going well. That's um, uh, with Doctor uh, uh, Nick, Nick Thompson, Brendan and, Thompson, uh, and, and uh, Brendan Clark, Brendan Clark, and, 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 and Nick, Nick Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They're so, two of the top vets. Top so they're the they're the the vets, and you've got the yeah, they're the brains. The, the other side, they're the of brains, thing. and well, I'm the I'm the I'm the enthusiastic puppy that uh, seems to bring a bit of entertainment. Mate, to a doctor's a doctor in my book. Yeah, yeah, they're honorary doctors. Don't forget that. Oh, you're in mine. I have a badge. They don't, they don't like hearing that. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, I love that show. But like, I, I put up a post there. Someone shared with me recently. Uh, you know, trying to get to a, it's like 2011 or 12. I just sunk a hundred grand into this little factory. This little on the side of a, of a hill. It was called Slaughter Slaughter Hill. It's in Newtown, Mount Kennedy, which is where they used to slaughter all the animals for Wicklow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, uh, so, but I was miserable in there, and I remember how cold and wet it was, and I was trying to get likes, and I put all this money in, and I realised quickly, oops, I might have made a mistake here, and I sunk fifty grand of the government's money, fifty grand of my own big loan, and uh, I just thought, oh, this isn't going to take off like it was taking off in Australia. I came yeah. back from Australia with all these ideas, and. Uh, yeah, and I remember. Anyway, someone shared the post saying, "Look at you trying to get to a thousand likes, and here I am. I've got a decent I saw that following po- I now." I saw that post yeah. the other day, and I thought, if if I could just tell myself ten years ago, you know, 
things are going much better. You're not going to get rich doing this sort of stuff, but you're, it's such a better place. So when you recap the few bits and pieces that are working now, uh, I'm proud to hear that. My dad would have been delighted to hear all that. Yeah, no, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. Small business type idea. Are you a dub? You grew up in Dublin? I am no, but this is a Dublin accent. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I grew up in Wicklow and Greystones, which is the yeah. end of the dart line. But yeah. sure, I'll spend all my life in here. And yeah. college was in here. College I was in, in college here. for eight years. So, you know, lads lived in Dublin. So that's that's I end up with a Dublin accent. And that's uh, yeah. Well, yeah, you said before you've done your knee playing footy. Are we talking soccer? Are we talking guard? Soccer, we... soccer. Yeah, I played Gaelic till I was about maybe, uh, you know, 14, 15, dropped yeah. it and then found football really about a year or two later. And then, yeah, Jesus! So you played rugby for eight years, bro. Yeah, yeah. mate. It was yeah. It fun. Yeah, it was great fun. Yeah, body just gave way. Oh, you bet. You know, terrible toll. Just... You're you suffering it now. Or are you okay? Oh, look. Your right knee went. Are you left? Four time, Four ACLs. Okay. Yeah, right I've knee. had two. Have you? Yeah. Usually it's your left knee if you're right foot. Oh, you don't. Sure, it's not it's a different sport completely. Yeah, it's not. That's not. How come that knee goes? How come your right knee goes? So it just went in a tackle. And then it just went again when I propped on it to change direction. Yeah. And then it went two more times. Fuck me. Four operations. Uh, four, yeah, so I've had you. six operations on it. I ruptured it four times. The last time I ruptured it, there, were, there was too many screws for him to reconstruct it, right, with the, the boning tunnels. So he said, the surgeon said, I'll pull those screws out, scar up the tunnels so the bone grows back. Cool. Come back in six months and I'll reconstruct it. Sounds good. That was in 2006. Whoa, you never... I, I didn't go back. I wow. Just, he, he, it's, at, at the moment, no ACL in there. Yeah, that, well, that's what the basketball players do when they start snapping them all the time. They just don't go back and get it. Yeah, you just re rehab yeah. the hell Dogs out of Dogs can grow them again. Sorry? Dogs can grow them again. Well... I don't know about the ACL, but they grow... There's four of them, isn't there? Four ligaments there. And I'm not sure about the ACL, but dogs can regrow their ligaments if you leave them alone. Well, they... um, My dog's had his right ACL done, right? Yeah. But what they did is... I'm, I can't remember the name of the, of the procedure. It's named after a surgeon, like a... A such and smith's yeah. procedure it's where they shave an angle on the tibia so to yeah. speak and they put a brace in there that forms the new angle on the bone oh, yeah i can't remember the name of the actual yeah. surgery so frank had that yeah then he did his left one he did that when he was like five and they yeah. say his left one will go yeah left one went five years later sure. he's 10 years old was he mate. neutered early sorry was he neutered yeah, yeah six months that's, that's why he's is that right yeah, yeah. that's where the ligaments are going that's, Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's a, uh, that's like the whole veterinary profession is on the flip flop. Like it's, we've been talking about it for ten years, but in the last three months they said, "Fuck, no more neutering." So it's like, uh, you're kidding. Yeah, growth because testosterone closes the growth plates, and so if you don't have, look at the difference between a twelve-year-old and a fourteen-year-old boy. That height, you lop off his balls at the wrong time, you've got uncontrolled growth, and so you get slightly longer limbs. And it ligaments. You are kidding! Yeah, 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 totally. A hip dysplasia, a cruciate ligament rupture. Three thousand uh, golden retriever study on the cruciate ligament rupture. So it's a, it's a hundred percent growth deformities for not not hundred percent, but a huge portion of growth issues in dogs is that. But particularly ACL because it happened to my old dog as well. I was like, fuck, what happened there? Mm. That's unreal. And she had chronic hip dysplasia. She couldn't walk. Well, after. A lot of that in German shepherds, right? That yeah. hip dysplasia. Yeah, like they're prone to it. So any sort of kind of you put them on dry food and you chop out all the glucosamine, chondroitin, collagen. That's what it was. I was sitting there nursing whatever I, the two ACL jobs, but a couple of little bits and pieces. And on the last time, this guy Ray Burke, he does all the footballers' knees, and I thought I'm going to go to the very best guy this time and hopefully get me back in the pitch. And he was looking. He goes, "You're not doing your." He goes, "You look at your scrawny little legs." He goes, "You're not doing anything to help yourself here." And I said, "I." 
am I'm in the gym. I'm just not a guy that puts muscle down really anywhere. But maybe I was being a bit lazy. Yeah. But I said, I'm just, I'm just. That's just not my build. I don't know what it is. And he goes, uh, just tell me what you're eating. And I said, look, I'm a, I fancy myself a nutritionist. And he goes, just cut it out. Just tell me what you're eating. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, you're, you're not vegetarian. Like, oh, what do you know about nutrition? And he's just like, and this is a guy that doesn't use, just doesn't eat. And he goes, go f- read a book. And I'm like, like he was really direct. Going, really? Just ruined you. That's, that's the end of football. Back to five aside. Around now. And I'm like, oh no. So. Anyway, I go off and I start really looking at my own diet. And he goes, you never gave yourself any glucosamine, chondroitin, collagen. Where'd you get it all from? And I'm like, I never thought about that. Like all this shit I talk about. You've got dogs, you feed them dry food, they get no glucosamine, chondroitin, collagen, hyaluronic acid, glucagon, glutathione, carnosine, all this shit we know creating vital for getting down muscle growth and, and rehabbing joints. They're the building blocks. And I'm always slagging vets off or selling them in capsules. If you cut that out of a dog's life, he's going to be walking like a coffee tail that's yeah. six, seven years old. Yeah. And you're going to have to supplement him. And I said, that's the ruse. Just be feeding him the building blocks in three weeks old as soon as he comes off mum. Well, and well, I never did it for myself. Well, mate, uh, you know, big shock. I'm a raw feeder, mate. Yeah. Of course, right? I used to work for Big Dog Pet Foods, yeah, right? Yeah. I now, obviously now do the podcast. Yeah. So with the dogs, I've been all, you know, all raw if, yeah, you know, that there's no kibble. Yeah, right. Because it's just, I mean, if you have to feed it once in a yeah, while yeah, because yeah. you're in a bind. Yeah, mate, like a my, do- my yeah. dogs are raw fed, right? Yeah, I've never known about the chopping their nuts off. Yeah, yeah, it's that huge. is unreal. Yeah, it's the it's the biggest health uh, of any non-product. It's the biggest health impact on them. So it's like now it's a huge flip flop, particularly for Ireland, UK, but Australia as well. Yeah, well, the the council supports. Yeah, chopping the nuts. Oh, that, yeah. They'll uh, for for certain breeds of dogs. Yeah, they'll actually contribute or give you a discount code, so you get it yeah. done for like ninety bucks instead yeah, of three hundred. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy because they believe it decreases population, but then you say you look at a uh, look at Scandinavia. They it's illegal. It's illegal to neuter your dog unless you've got a reason. So it has to be a f- medical reason to, yeah. to neuter him or her. And uh, they've got zero pounds, zero shelters. The Swedes send vans down to Ireland to pick up our unwanted f-ing dogs. What, why do the Swedes do everything right? Everything right, they're mutants. They're so annoying. They didn't but, lock down during yeah, COVID. Yeah, no, look, perfectly <laughs> healthy. They yeah, they're looking grand, going around having a laugh. Fucking pubs open. But yeah, so they come down and they pick up our unwanted dogs. Our, compared to this to the, to the Irish government approach, which in two thousand and nine we had a massive crash, and the government, in all their uh, sense, they started incentivizing farmers and said, "Look, breed pups, and we'll tax." You can, as a tax dodge you can you wanted to pay back and you can sell pups to farmers that were struggling in 2009 if you could yeah. believe it so Ireland's the puppy farming capital of Europe more than Poland we produce pups and so we have a huge amount of pups that we don't need and so we just post them off to places we sell them all to Britain Britain's plagued with our stuff going across the borders and now Scandinavia send vans down to pick up pups because they don't have any sighthounds they don't have any lurchers greyhounds we've got them all over the streets to run around oh with mountains yeah do you know if you come Crazy. across your man uh, Niall Harbison no on Instagram no. He's an Irish fella. He, he was a um, high-profile chef. Okay. Moved to Thailand. Yeah. Oh, Changed his yeah. whole life. And he, he That's brings right. in all the street dogs yeah. in Thailand and you yeah. know, brings them back to help mm. and sends them off. He just sent one to Liam Gallagher. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah tough, uh, tough old dogs because you get an awful lot of dogs that are they're juiced up to the eyeballs then and they've got a big journey and heavily stressed. and. So I, I took my two. Yeah. Um, I had a bulldog pug and a... Neo Mastiff cross with something he wouldn't cool. tell me what yeah. it was. Yeah. Asked him, yeah. people saying, "What is your DNA test done?" I'm like, "What do I care?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he looks cool. So I don't give a yeah. Shit this yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I took them to LA when I moved to LA. Yeah. And the Mastiff was the young one, big and goofy. Got out of the crate. No worries. Yeah. The bulldog pug who was a little bit more refined, a little bit, yeah. you know, more, better, better red than, yeah. Yeah, than yeah. the other guy. He yeah. gets out. He just looked at me and goes, 
that a little bit. Oh, yeah. He didn't talk to me yeah. for a good sort of oh, 20 yeah. minutes or so. Pure stress. Yeah. Pure stress. That's but just... I, used to, I did that for a living in LA as I transported, did the, oh, the, yeah. the animal transport around the world. Right. No yeah. way. Because yeah. we get the we get Romanian street dogs here and, uh, and uh, what's the other place? Cypriot maybe, maybe Cyprus. I can't remember. Some other place. But uh, a lot of them come in with really bad IBS, IBD, like, you know, you're That's still, just stress, right? It's stress, yeah, like, you exactly. know, and they're fed shit, and, you know, they have a <clears throat> load of vaccinations before they get in, a load of flea treatments, wormers, boosters. By the time they come off that boat or plane or whatever, you know what I mean, or, or van or whatever they come, it's a tough, it, it's it a is, big it change, and it's like, right, you're living in this house in Sandyford now, and they're like, who the f*** are you? Yeah, it, it does take, mm. a, take a while yeah. to adjust. I will say this, like, those long-haul flights, say, you think Australia, LA is like, they're in the crate for... Yeah. Probably touching 20 hours. Yeah. It's yeah. a long time. A long the, time. The cargo hold is um, temperature control. Yeah. Something, right? Yeah. They've got water in there and everything like yeah. that. But it's... Oh, no. It's and just... there, there are restrict regulations where they have to be able to turn around there. You know, you can't put a big dog in a small crate just to save money. Yeah. It's expensive. Like, my Mastiff was in a wooden crate that was almost as tall as me. Yeah. Like this thing was, yeah. like, as big as my yeah. apartment. Yeah. He's just chilling out. Oh, this is great. <laughs> Movies on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, but it, it we'd always hear the horror stories, and it's always the horror stories. Or what's the breed? The horror stories were always about. Oh, I don't even know the Frenchies. The Frenchies, okay, yeah. Listen, it was Frenchies always are just that the horror stories. World's most expensive dogs, which yeah. are three grand a year to insure a Frenchie in, in the UK, three thousand oh, pounds because they know. But then, if you know, you, it's not the dog's fault. Yeah, or if you raw feed them, you can dodge a lot of it. Yeah, dry food increases skin and gut and ear conditions, and they're the three things that Frenchies go to the vets for. You know, what, what sort of were you a good student? School? Um, yeah, did... I don't know. Like, I, I think, I think I was able for school. You know, yeah. I, I was able, but I wasn't able to. Um, the, I'm sure everyone would say I was a messer in school. You know, in in school in in secondary school over here, it's it's brutal because as soon as you go in, you're in one A, one B, or one C. One A is the smart kids, one B is the medium kids, and one C is the thick kids. I'm not messing. And almost all my friends go to 1C, and I'm in 1A. But, I mean, what a setup for a kid. You're 12, 13 years old, and it's like, that's your aspirations there now. Still You're, like that? That's, yeah. Well, now, they, maybe they call it numbers or smiley faces or bloody... Oh, I was going to go into a subject I shouldn't be saying, but uh, it's something that's much more kind of neutral now. But, like... At the time, it was like, you're in the smart class, and then my friends weren't. I was like, wh why would a kid try to be anything better than, okay, I'm not, a sm I'm not a smart kid. I just think that is the worst thing to tell a 13-year-old. Yeah, that's not but, right. Uh, so I'm in this class, and I think probably I would have been, I'm definitely a messer. It turns out, though, and Churchill was saying this, uh, as in the, 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 the World War II dude, he was not able to focus in school because he couldn't take in nonsense. He couldn't listen to stuff that he didn't agree with, so I couldn't, couldn't do languages. Uh, I wasn't mad on history and geography. Uh, all I cared about was biology. So I got an A1 in honors biology and I got C's and everything else. Yeah. So that I don't feel that represented how, you know, it had been stuff I was interested in. It had been like if I should have done business because I love business. I grew up in a small business, my dad and my, my family small. So I should have stayed that way. But I followed stuff that I thought, oh, mum thinks that's a good idea. And somebody else says, if someone just honed me into pure biology and animals, I would have been, I would have been. But schools aren't set up. They're not set up that way. Because every kid yeah. learns differently, right? Yeah, yeah, that's so it. So some kids who uh, can be really intelligent yeah. and have a real aptitude for a particular subject yeah. like biology or whatever it is yeah. mightn't be great at something else and they get sort of spat out the back door. Yeah, yeah. That's, they just learn that's, differently. That's a massive, massive thing. You know, it's, a, it's to create the average 
person, average uh, yeah. average fa- factory worker. Great way. They've come up with the school policy in the 40s and 50s to, to fill up the kind of middling jobs and get the middle class going. But it doesn't cater to someone that thinks something slightly different. Look, artistic people. Yeah. You know, stop drawing pictures when you're 12, grow up. You know, so it's like, what? Wow. You know, Keep all that. Growing, yeah. Man. It's like, you know, people, it's not, it used to be how smart are you? And now it's how are you smart? And I love that line because yeah. everyone's got a cool little thing. Uh, but it's unfortunately school. school didn't work out for me very well and uh, then I came into college and the same thing happened I go to do a science degree to get to zoology to get to animal behaviour particularly but uh, any animal stuff and I had to do chemistry maths geology drawing rocks and so I did that for a year and I was like you know skipping along the middle and I'm like oh this is brutal I hate science and uh, then uh, a few bits and pieces happened a friend of mine died and I just said, oh, I've got a dumb college. I've got, I'm getting out of college. And a guy, I'm only talking, saying this after telling the story a couple of days ago, a mentor, you have a mentor in college who you run things past, and he was this older guy who studied. He's the head mushroom guy of Ireland. Today I'm obsessed with mushrooms. And uh, he was the head mushroom guy, Hubert Fuller, his name was. I doubt he'll ever listen to this, but hopefully someday I'll get to talk to him again. But Hubert Fuller <laughs> kept me in college, and he said, look, just finish off the year. Finish off the year and just see how you go. So I want to drop out. All my friends are home. They're all in bands. I had a lifestyle that was not conducive with uh, college stuff and I just I just couldn't and uh, so anyway you, you, you he kept me in there and then on I was over in uh, living in Holland out in the country for a few months and I was able to get on my exams they said oh you, you failed a good few of them and I'm like what I never failed exams I was mm. like failed a few exams you need to come home repeat them I repeated them and I still failed one or two by about one or two percentage points but that's you out of college and I got passed and somebody I put, pushed I went through the third year and I was like how am I in here how, how come the courses are on again I was thinking how am I going to tell my parents and uh, so I went through did third year fourth year started improving then started focusing got to do subjects of light and eventually get in to do the doctorate but uh, Hubert Fuller had passed me and he said give the guy a chance he's just had a, a bit of a shock and he'll be he'll be back on track and I thought how lucky am I do you know what I mean I, that's every, awesome everything is like I, f- I put a bit of pressure on myself then because like I feel like I'm what a privileged little shithead you know what I mean you get a free degree I got a free doctorate you're paid to do that you know you're paid what's seven eight hundred quid a month to do it and you know you're just every little opportunity has been given you to do something useful you know what I mean so I, I don't forget that when you hear other places like the US you want to get a doctorate you're going to be down 250 300 yeah. grand you want to be a, a an art student could spend 100 grand coming out with an arts degree and it's worth nothing to you you know the, so the when, when you see what we get over here it, it does make you uh, see that fairly privileged and it's like I was helped there and if I didn't have that I wouldn't have had the rest of this you know but that's that's amazing that you still remember that and credit that yeah. because yeah. You know, they say no one makes it on their own. No, definitely not. He came into our shop in Greystones. He came into our shop there a few years ago and said, how's Conor Brady getting on? And they said, oh, who, who are you? And he goes, oh, I was his mentor in college. And they, they gave him a few bits and pieces. And they said, that's good to hear. And he went off. And that was it. So I only heard he did that because he came in 20 years later. And, uh, do you know? And I'm like, what a legend, you know? What a, so right, what right. a legend. So, uh, yeah, so that's what got me into that, that doctorate. And, uh, and I got in and out of that pretty quickly and that stood to me as well you know because there was too many smart you're sitting in a room 15, 20 people doing doctorates and you've no idea how smart people can be it's like these guys were moving shit with their minds like you know I was I was just uh, you know what, are you, what is he how did he get in here you know and uh, so as soon as I got into it I realised I'm not going to be doing this for life this is just there's some people in there that are just like college for life they can do it but I didn't have that you know I just wanted to be hands on doing the practical work and stuff loved all that so nobody wanted this project I did deer use deer as my test subject and uh, 
So nobody wanted to be handling loads of dead deer, pulling the guts out of them, measuring them, weighing them, checking the diet, checking the poo, comparing to what males and females do. Nobody wanted that because it was, it was disgusting, horrible, relentless. In the middle of summer, a big bloated deer at the side of a road, go out there, gut them. You know, Yikes. hard work, yeah. hard graft. But I can put myself through hard stuff. And I, I know I, had that, I have that thing where it's like, it'll be over soon and I'll do it. And I was living in Greystones and the M50 was being built, which meant I had like a two hour trip to get out there to that often before dawn because it's the rutting so it's when the two of them are fighting and that kind of stuff so I could be travelling in the dark to get out there work all day in a field all day it could be lashing rain you can get wet you're eating soggy sandwiches and then you got a two hour trip home get into bed come back out and do it again you know that's hard graft so uh, yeah but look what it taught you yeah it does it does it's, it's just yeah well it definitely gave me that kind of uh, staying power Okay, you, you need to go through a little bit of that too you know I don't know you need a few calluses on your you hands. You do, man. you do, yeah. At least mental calluses. I was traumatized <laughs> after. Well, you do need a bit of that, otherwise you get soft, you know. Yeah. You know, good times make soft, man. Why animals? Uh, um, just always had a kind of very profound attachment to the dogs in the house. Dad was a big dog person. Uh, Mum, we got our first kind of dog when I was born and he was mad attached to me and very strange things happened. When that dog died, his name was Prince. He used to follow me ever, wait outside school. This is the 80s, so, you know, this thing, this was cool back then. He'd wait outside shops and lose them for a day and he's still standing outside the shop looking at the door the next day. And I was like, oh God, we forgot we went into that shop. But uh, the day before he died, this dog, and uh, I tell this story a few times, I think I put it at the start of the book, but this dog came in, he wasn't allowed into the rooms. He was he was more of a kind of a guard dog. He'd protect, it was like our, our shop. We had a kind of a builder suppliers, big yard, a lot of stuff that could easily be robbed granddad's house our house uncle's house all on this big road and the dogs would, would wa- wander those four houses and you'd, they'd, you'd kind of learn that nah, he he wouldn't let people jump over the fence too easy but he was a lovely little pet but that was his job so he that was his t- d- uh, domain and he'd also live around the kitchen and, and the living area but he'd never go down to the bedrooms old school dad because dogs don't go in the bedroom mm. okay and so this one the night before he dies the, and this dog just totally followed me absolutely everywhere the night before he died the dog came down and sat at the end of my bed and just started looking at me and first time he'd been in my room, we never would have brought him down there before. And I'm looking, I'm going, what's the crack, pretty? What are you doing? And I'm talking away to him. And he's there looking, big ginger kind of dog. And he's looking, and then uh, and then I call mum, mum, the dog's in my room, go and get him. It's first year in school, I was 13. And uh, bring the, so the dog walks back down to the kitchen. And the next day, the dog was uh, gone. He wasn't at his usual space, space for his breakfast. I said, where's, where's pretty? I don't know, go looking for him, find his usual haunts. And there he is under a tree, shivering. And I said, oh, what's wrong with this enormous dog? So I picked him up, bring him back to the family. He said, what's the crack with Prince? I don't know. You go on to school and come back. And I came back and they put him down. And I'm like, what the f***? Why didn't you tell me? And dad would be like, oh, well, you know. And I just thought, you're callous, you know. But he was apparently destroyed. But, but I remember that was kind of the, one of the first inklings. Like, oh, Jesus. I'm, uh, like, I was devastated about that dog. And then within about weeks and months of that mistake that I feel my parents made, they had me working in an animal shelter. And I saw more and more dogs being put down. And I thought, it just switched me on to uh, a bit of unfairness to it. And I thought, oh, look at this. Dogs being chained to the gate. You come in in the morning, there's two or three dogs chained there. She could be pregnant. And I'm like, old dogs, that was the real bad one. People cut their dog get too old. And you start inc- increasing veterinary bills. So they chain the old dogs. Who is going to take an old dog from an animal shelter? And so that was just, that was a... I did that for maybe a year or so and I'm allergic to cats so it was not easy because I would just have constant snot and eyes would be inflamed and like I'm wondering am I allergic to dogs but it was just the cats in the cattery and I'd have to clean them out as well so I did that at 12 or 13 that's what switched me on to dogs you so know. you said your parents had you working in an animal shelter yeah so they saw that 
you were devastated by what happened yeah, to, something like that. to the dog and said, oh, we better get... That's yeah, yeah, that's super that, that parenting, was my mom. Man. Yeah, it was. I'm telling you, that's it. My, my, particularly my mum, just an absolute trojan. I mean, dad got sick. He, around that time, dad got sick. He had to have a liver transplant. So he was one of the first people in Ireland, maybe number twenty-five or thirty, to have this particular type of liver transplant. And then a week later, take it out and turn it around. It's like, did you put it in backwards, lads? Nobody asked questions back then, you know. And I'm like, turn it around. But it, it's the most complicated organ transplant because they made the tubes off it, and it's it's just an enormous job. So he had that, and he lived for thirty. 15 years with it so it was a pure wow. success story that's the good part of medicine I know I bitch a lot about pharma and medicine but like that was the good side of it so I'm like, what? like that was amazing but mum had to run I've got four older brothers all of us are in school most of us would be just taking the piss you know your teenage yeah. boys and uh, she'd four, so five sons a builder suppliers with staff and a mother who was going mad and moved into the house. Oh she God. took on all that. Any one of those jobs would have people going on social media and putting up pictures of their hardship and all that shit. She did all that. And like, so at the same time, she would drive me in on Saturday morning. She thought, I, Connor was you know, I'm start, starting to act up maybe at 13. It'd be good for Connor to go to an animal shelter. So she would drive for three quarters of an hour and drop me off and sit there and wait for two hours until I finished me work, two and a half, three hours, and drive home again. That's what she would do to kind of get this going. Like, she, woman was just is amazing. Like, so uh, there's something she to be has said that World War Two mentality. That, She's real. That like, Irish stoicism. Oh something yeah, to be said for yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It is, and uh, that's it. She's just so that's where that came from, and and the work ethic and stuff. All that would have come from those early days of that, and then working in the shop and that kind of stuff. So. I feel like this is actually a business podcast now because like, I feel like I'm talking about that, but that's what set me up for getting into small business and particularly with dogs. You know, once I. Once I came out of um, kind of the degree, I kind of uh, and the, and the the doctor at then I t- I went off to South America for six eight months. I was thinking, what am I going to do with myself? I came back and there was a job advertising Irish guide dogs, and I thought, lovely, this is perfect for me. So they trained me up to be a guide dog trainer. here in Ireland. Yeah, here in Ireland. Yeah, and then so the, and then to and then to after Australia. That. Yeah, I was a pup supervisor here in Ireland, and uh, then I flew over to Perth, but nice and sunny, and my my future wife was heading over that way, and I followed her over. I've been chasing her for about thirteen years at this stage, that's what we did. and eventually she gave. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Good things come to those who wait, and she bloody waited. I'm, I'm fourteen thousand <laughs> yeah. kilometers away from home. Yeah, mate. there you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm wearing an Irish jersey. Least, yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah, a total convert, but uh. Yeah, so uh, that's why I went over to Perth and started helping with the pup program over there. And uh, that's when I met Brisbane Guide Dogs and what they were doing for nutrition, which was just unbelievable. Did you hear about this? Yeah, and, yeah. So, but I want you to I want you to tell me a story because I think it, it sounds like it's going to be some kind of um, cathartic moment for you or mm. cathartic experience for you where you you saw what they were doing. You just went, oh my God, yeah. this is like game changing. Can't wait to tell everybody. So you hit Perth and... What uh, year is this? this? When are we talking? Uh, 2006 yeah. for a couple of years. 2006, yeah. So 2007 maybe. And uh, so, yeah, uh, the two top vets for all this were Lonsdale and Billionhurst, two Aussie vets. Um, I think they're both from Melbourne. But uh, Aussie vets, and they had written uh, uh, Give a Dog a Bone was Billionhurst's book, still extremely popular, and, and uh, Raw Meaty Bones. And these vets were absolutely castrated for this opinion they had which was fresh food might be good for dogs and I think these guys eat a lot of meat real novel idea in the 90s and they they were hauled through the coals and it made very hard life for the two of them but uh, 
now you look back on them and go, Jesus, legends, you know, they've just yeah. changed, you know, it's a multi-billion industry. People forget that this is bigger than the music industry, pet food alone. So you people kind of look at it as, as a twee kind of, oh, well, you know, one in four people have a pet and the other one, another one in four want a pet. So 50% of the of the world, of the Western world, want dogs and cats in their lives mm. and they are being ripped off left, right and centre and these guys are highlighting it and saying, look, this is a multi-billion machine candy company selling you crap through mm. the vets. And I said, it's a dupe, it's a rip-off. So these guys were the first to put their head above the parapet and you get the first arrow. So uh, so I, I, I got a couple of phone calls with them and somewhere along the line, somebody mentioned to me, and look what Brisbane Guide Dogs are doing. So I, I was reading their books and I was doing a few experiments with my own little dogs in Australia and I've seen the difference. You just jump these dogs to raw and skin issues are evaporating, good issues, real simple stuff. But I'm a scientist, so if I do the experiment and I see the changes, I go, that's what I need. I don't need to see studies. I need to do the experiment in front of myself and go, oh yeah, that's what basically, everyone's a scientist, you know, everyone can do this. They tell you, oh, forget about anecdotal examples. It's like, no, if I change 10 dogs that are all on steroids to this stuff, and seven or eight of them aren't taking steroids a month or two later. I don't need any more studies. I say like, something's up. There's something mm. in that food, or something wrong, or something good. I'm not sure, but anyway, um, Brisbane Guide Dogs. Chris Lane was the CEO, and I got chatting with her. And uh, Br- Brisbane Guide Dogs changed. She did a small experiment to see what the crack was with raw feeding, and then she changed 200, 220 dogs in training from dry to raw food and their veterinary bills fell by 82%. Was that leading raw? Leading raw. Big Which dog. Which is a big dog big manufactured dog product. product, yeah. product yeah. And she, they, so initially, I'm not even sure if they were using leading raw initially. I think what she did was she changed the colony over she experienced and the 82% is in relation to specific issues which was orthopedic surgery and consults massive thing for guide dogs because they're all neutered early and so you have to tinker spend a fortune on fixing orthopedics as we were discussing before we got live um, so orthopedic surgery and consults to keep these dogs on the road because they're so like you know a dog at the time was 40 50,000 bucks by the time it hits the streets like they're expensive and it's a charity so it's a it's a really important these dogs work for as long as, as possible and healthy limbs is important so that was and then skin recurring skinnier and gut conditions type thing and so 82% savings in vet bills that's in the Courier Times which is a local Brizzy paper yeah. and so it's up there people can have a look at that paper and I'm thinking this is unbelievable I can't wait to tell my superiors about this and I was already doing a few little kind of lectures <clears> in it and stuff and uh, uh, I get a bit of the data they didn't want to publish the data because it's a little bit hairy it's a little bit kind of you know at the and, time it would, be, it would have been a bit woo woo you know yeah it's to- exactly and they don't want to end up like the, the other vets that are getting but at the same time a savings in like a 82% savings in vet bills for a colony that could be you could have vet bills of 100 150 grand a year to look after 200 dogs so when you're saving 82% on a chunk of those vet bills as well as then this this lady Chris Lane what a woman she's she then says do you know what we could stick the lead we can stick Brisbane guide dogs badge on a product and people would buy that product more than anything else and we believe in this so they got out to big dog I believe this is the way it happened or maybe they did it with a big dog but either way they got in with big dog and said right let's get uh Let's get um, a product together, leading raw, and we'll stick it on leading raw because it's leading guide dogs. And uh, that product, like within a year or two, was just like up the top. It was just instantly. It was such a brilliant marketing move. A product they believed in, and then all the revenue meant that they were. She was now feeding two hundred twenty dogs for nothing, and the veterinary bills had plummeted. Mm-hmm. So those two things, from a small business background, I'm looking at that going, holy shit! I work for a charity. I you could put five times the number of dogs on the road if that's the case I go to my superiors and I say look at all this I gathered the data that I could showed them the studies did a two and a half hour presentation and at the end of it he went yeah no 
And I'm like, what do you mean, no? So, sorry, you're superior where? In Perth, Perth in, right, guide dogs, right. yeah. And they're just like, yeah, no. And, and the other trainers are listening and going, that's really interesting. And like, you know, and he's like, this is not, it's not going to, you know, we, in, to cut a long story short, and I can say this now, because in Irish guide dogs, we'd be approached by dry food companies all the time. You know, uh, will you, we'll give you free food if you say this helps your dogs think better. That was a particular brand that I'd love to mention. The same brand, and this has nothing to do with that person, but the same brand, uh, uh, were caught by the Federal Trade Commission over in the US saying that oh it was actually Mars Yukonuba over in Mars over in the US said that their pet food helps dogs live thirty percent longer, and Federal Trade Commission had to haul them through the courts and go that's just bullshit, and they went oh yeah okay fair enough. A couple of years later they had a study that where they tr- changed the food but they also changed all the lifestyle they made the veterinary yeah. stuff they were getting everything so you can't just say that but that poster was up on the wall for years and years so they would just say this stuff and they pay a 50 grand fine at the end of it you know how the usual stuff it's how business works with these guys anyway uh mars had all the contracts for the guide dog schools in in australia and uh every single guide dog school was feeding mars products uh the stuff over there was called um uh advance is what you call it yeah mars royal cannon over here and uh really high salt at the time in perth these dogs are living in the desert and uh they're feeding like one percent one percent like one percent salt is enormous that's you know salted peanuts and uh it's huge if you don't have the salt content the dogs won't eat the food but could you imagine the thirst on the dog in a desert and it's a working dog he's got to focus he's going around drinking and if your dog's drinking gallons of water he's going to wee everywhere so now you stop at the wee which in guide dogs world is like no you can't be stopping for a squirt you do the wee before we go that's what you're trained to do and it's hard to train the puppy that's weeing everywhere and the pup owner's gone the dog won't stop weeing well this is because he's drinking so much water because A he's eating salt and B he's living in a desert so like these little things I'm spelling all this out going look at the advantages we've nothing to lose And uh, but the problem was Mars had all the guide dog schools by the testicles and yeah. so uh, that was the contract and that's the darkness and I can say all that because Chris Lane said it to me and it's in all my, it's in my book yeah. and uh, I've got the, the I, I've ran a past her obviously can I publish this she goes absolutely that's the truth so uh, Chris pressure starts going on Brisbane Guide Dogs stop with this dangerous program you're on and uh, you need to start feeding dry food and Chris Lane's gone feeding dry food have you seen the difference I'm making this organisation like they were killing it outstanding example of, of a charity and uh, so they sacked her so there was a the last post from from their pet food kind of front was in December at the end of December saying hey guys can't wait to show you our new treats that we're coming out with natural treats for dogs and two weeks later any mention of leading raw was just scrubbed gone no mention of it anywhere on any of the website you, you struggle to find a leading raw article anything talking about it they were on the point of exporting the food i believe if if they weren't doing that already i heard a couple of countries were looking for it uh and then in january 1st she was sacked and uh, when is this this was 2015 january 1st 2015 i believe she was sacked a new ceo came in and the dogs were shifted dry food so i just thought oh that is dark i then contacted that brisbane guide dogs and said hey guys any chance i can see your veterinary bills from 2014 and 2015 because in Ireland, guide dogs is funded by taxpayer money. So mm. if it's funded by taxpayer, then FOIA requests should work. Mm. So they've been really effective. So we found out some proper dirt with veterinary departments and what they're willing to do for these dry food companies. They take fifty grand, a hundred grand, and they've the like in uh, in the Royal Dick School in in Edinburgh. They just move a Mars rep in to do the clinical nutrition lectures. All the shit you think is happening, FOIA request show is happening. So I tried I tried the same approach with Brisbane guide dogs, and your man just goes, yeah, no. You're not getting them. It's just like okay. Plus, if the if the veterinary bills plummeted when you changed the raw, then it it goes. It would it just stands to reason they would have to go up 
it would have to do it. And if you had the up bit, that's a perfect study because going down is one thing, but if you can have it's called case control. Yeah. Yet they're both fed, you know, same thing, and you switch them and switch them back, and you watch the blood parameters follow. That's a real classic example of like that is a hundred percent that no longer correlation but causation. So. Uh, I said, give us a look. So I couldn't get that data. And I'm thinking, if there's any taxpayer money being used in guide dogs in Australia, that's a f- that is a scandal. It's a tragedy that those dogs were put back on dry food when we showed they were healthy. I and think <clears throat> I was I started working a big dog late 2015, and I think we were de- we definitely had some police dog squads oh, yeah. that we were feeding yeah. um, either leading raw or a big dog too, and just uh, my memories it's, it's a while ago now my memories fail me but i feel like there were some guide dogs being fed leading rule somewhere but i can't remember exactly where it was but <clears throat> that story pretty much rings true to what i was yeah. told when i first came through to big dog yeah as far as yeah the development of leading raw and then into the yep the switch out but i mean we at big dog we still feed We've, there's an organization called Smart Pups. Yeah. Right? So that's on the in Sunshine Coast hinterland. And they train assistance dogs for kids with um, epilepsy and autism. Okay. I did a podcast with those guys and I cried the entire time. Yeah. Because it's just the most beautiful thing you can possibly The difference is unbelievable. See, but, the, yeah. but Big Dog supports them massively yeah. and, and they feed their entire squad, yeah. you know, raw food. Yeah. And I was actually... I was stalking you on social media the last sort of week or so, and I was just going through a few posts. Yeah. And I read one that was about a specific dry food, and uh, there were some comments on there, and there was a comment on there from someone that was just saying, hey, this particular dry food product is the only thing my dog will eat, and it saved my dog's life, blah, blah, blah. There's a bit of backward forwards with the comments Mm. and, you know, a little bit of a narky argument, but there was one comment there that just rung true to me. And it said, hey, I understand where you are. When you switch to, to raw, you're just doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah. You're just not doing it right. Yeah. And I and I think to myself, that is 100% accurate. Yeah. Because the, the biggest thing with raw feeding for me is common bloody sense. Yeah. It That's is it. so yeah. ridiculously obvious Yeah. that that's what a dog should eat. Yeah. Totally. But the more obvious it is, it's more, it's harder for someone to believe it. It's like, you know, what's that saying? Uh, it's easier to um, con a man than to convince him he's being conned. Yeah. And the right. greater the con, the harder it is to explain it to you and, and show it to you, you know? Yeah. And that's a, that's a fact. Like, vets cannot believe that. Just feed food and it's going to help with kidney disease, pancreatitis, bloat. Yeah, your raw pet medics podcast that you do. Yeah. Which has got some pretty funky music in it. With oh that, yeah, that that's, intro, that's right? changing. It's changing. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, no, no, it, come on, it's twee. I, I kind of feel like um, Larry's going to sort it out for us. When I <laughs> when I hear it, I, I, I see the Beastie Boys sabotage film clip. Oh when yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, sabotage would be a great lead in. Wouldn't that's it? what I want. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if you can get the rights. Oh to that. yeah, the way that bass comes in is great. That's what I want. But, uh, we're tweaking that at the moment. Ah yeah. Ah yeah yeah. Like look, it changes all the time. I think. We we didn't we don't want anything polished, you know. I don't want anything polished. I think as time goes on, people are just looking for more and more real stuff. So this is just three people sitting around chatting about. But it's things. great, yeah. It's I conversational, it. yeah. and you're all, you know, you, you've all got big brains. Yeah. So yeah, it's digestible information that comes through. Yeah, in a it's a really it's good a manner. Simple, it's a real simple idea. Like you just pick a you pick a health subject and start talking about it. What do you know about this? You, you, know, you did cool. the diabetes one recently, and and you got a little bit um, passionate about the carbohydrate level in a particular product yeah. that was, you know, 
released to be the the diabetic. Oh yeah. And it you know had this. It still had. I think you said it still had twenty eight percent carbohydrates. Mm. And you spoke about a, a high carb diet for a dog, and you said um, I can't remember your exact words, but you said something like it's hidden from the public. Mm. They hide it, the effect from the public, and then you said it's just like vitamin D in a recent health crisis we had. Oh, yes, indeed. And I, I just sat there and I'm like, my God, that is so spot on. Yeah, I yeah. Lo- I loved hearing Don't that. Don't talk mate. about the easy course. You're not allowed to yeah. talk about that. No. no. Yeah. Uh, so I just put up a post today about that. You know, that's a topic that is foreboding. You know, you can't... Very dangerous to talk about things. You know, when you start to get a little bit of a following, the, the sick and weak little thing about you or me is that you start to guard it and you start to guard your following and you go who and that tweaks you automatically uh censor yourself yeah so you have to be careful because when you're up and coming you'll say whatever you want and you'll say the truth and that's grand and that's what people start to follow you for and listen to you and buy your stuff and trust you and your brand is based on that but then as you get up to a certain size um like and i'm not even at a size but there's people that i know obviously now you get in with these people that are like more followers than bloody Beyonce. Like they, this could be, they could have three, four, five million followers and they would never dare mention anything like that yeah. on their social media. And they'd tell you why. They'd just say, it's just, yeah. that would just be curtains. You're just bad, putting a target bad for on business. yourself, aren't you? Yeah, that's it. And it's like, it'd be bad for business. I'm like, yeah, do you not have an onus to, to, to say it now that you have this following? Do you know? So I'm, the, I had to do a talk there recently for the Raw Feed and Vet. And he says, oh no, it was for the Raw Pet Medicine. We just had a Christmas kind of a show thing there. And that's what my talk is about. I was saying, you know, I, I wonder what I'm going to be doing next, you know, so how much longer I can keep doing the uh, the pet things when I feel like there's other topics that I want to chat about. And, yeah. Uh, so I'm a researcher at heart and the, my favourite thing, the thing that wags my tail the most is to sit down and just dig into a subject. And I have, the one thing I seem to be okay at, good at, is I have an ability to understand the science because I've been trained in that and I can dig around a subject and I can present that topic to people in a way that they can understand it. And everyone can understand science. It's been taken away from us. Trust the science. Don't read it. Don't 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 try and understand it. Just trust it. You know yeah. what I mean? Same in pet food. You yeah. can't feed a dog yourself. You know, you couldn't yeah, you can feed the kids, of course you can feed the kids. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, it's only a kid. But a dog, Jesus no. He'll, he'll be missing some mineral and his butt will fall off. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like it, it, the, the idiocy of that but it's so obvious that of course you can feed a dog yourself we've been doing it for millions of years they've been living on scraps you know this is the most you know, the most kind of adaptable animal on the planet these are and you, are you saying your dog is more precious or complicated than your kid you know I'm, I'm, I come home from the hospital with this bundle and it comes off mum eventually it's like what does it eat you know I'm looking at pear with potato pear with carrot pear with a green thing and eventually it's just not vegetables and you're having to stand up with your kids every day because they won't eat various bits and pieces <laughs> and that's life yeah. and we're all deficient in certain things that's just the way it is but we're doing okay that's going to be the same for your dog if you feed him yourself you know so this idea of perfect and nutritional balance and all that kind of stuff it's, yeah it's just uh, like that it's just all fear it's fear to keep you doing that fear of parasites you know, fear has you going back for annual vaccinations when your dog's already adequately vaccinated for viruses and studies show the last seven to nine years, challenge studies, they try to give the disease to the dog and they don't get it because they were vaccinated adequately. Yeah. So most of the jabs are for viruses and they last. It's the whole point of an immune system and yet you're getting them every year. Flea treatments for dogs with no fleas, worms for dogs with no worms, boot like kennel cough, when the Wasav are saying the kennel cough jab is just not working, the squirt up. Like there's so many issues. All that stuff you're paying for and if you looked into any one of the neutering as you just found out there today, all those things have major health consequences for the pet. And it's like, oh, I thought it was the right thing to do. It's like, well, the right thing for who? So I have a big problem with that. I have a big problem with people trusting 
I, I see a rip off it's a ruse people are being ripped off and uh, that's what animates me at the moment there's a rip off but there's a genuine like dogs are part of our family so there's yeah. a genuine genuine um, insidious uh, I guess um, you know lack of truth yeah so, so a ripoff's one thing yeah but then this horrific effect of that ripoff which could be you know your animal actually suffering and yeah, dying that's early it. is and, horrific and, and you are doing what you thought was best that's what everyone always says that's the the clincher is that oh, I just thought that was the best thing I'm buying the best food I'm buying the best food yeah. that the vet can give me and I'm like well, you're buying the most expensive food yeah. you know you're buying Weedabix <laughs> with a cow's toenail and it's just been well marketed you know it's just it's dirt well isn't that where this whole dry food scenario came from was basically from you know a meal or something being left out and hardening into yeah. something in a dog eating yeah Spratt was the first guy in the late 1800s and he saw a biscuit coming off a ship which yeah. is like dry yes. yeah. and he thought oh, give the dogs will eat that but it, really kibble came 1850 18, or 1950 around 49, 50 just after the war and they'd run out of tin and meat yeah. and so they said okay we don't have a lot of this so what can we well, and then uh, industry had exploded after World War Two. They came up with all these inventions, and so ultra processing and uh, you know pelleting machines, all this stuff was invented in during the forties. We came up with so many inventions that we rely on today. Were forced through the war because every industry turned to how can we maximize? Yeah. And uh, so kibble production was there, and I said, oh my god, well, maybe we can make pet food with this. And we don't have tin, and we don't have. Uh, uh, meat so we'll just use grain and put it in a bag and the recipe has changed not at all since yeah, 1950 all the yeah it's just like the exact same George Jetson <laughs> sprinkle of vitamin mineral <laughs> pill and that's it I, I got like the founder of Big Dog Chris Essex gave me that, yeah, that same name, story actually. yeah, yeah. Name. That's yeah he's mad. the yeah. owner and founder yeah. of, of, um, of Big Dog the big shout out to Esky yeah um, he gave that same story I still find it fascinating yeah that that's where we are now it's based the on same. that act of convenience yeah that's it. That's, and, and now we know. I mean, studies published in Nature. You know, how much more evidence does an evidence-based scientist need? I said, like, they have leapt the veterinary industry, and I'm not slagging off individual vets. They mean well. We love vets. Absolutely. Love them. Uh, yeah, and so, look, it's the same with GPs. Look, I'm not slagging off the GPs yeah. for not recommending to my mother to take vitamin D. We live in Ireland. We're all terribly vitamin deficient. And as soon as you get vitamin deficient enough, you get colds and respiratory diseases. It's bog-standard science. Yeah. And yet still my mother is not being recommended to take vitamin D. I have a big, big problem with that. But I don't blame the average doctor. They are trained in a certain way. I blame the industry producing these kids. Yeah. Vets are like the smartest kids we can produce. They're yeah. Like, they're like a hundred percent scores and everything to yeah. get into college to do this. But they come out parroting the nonsense they hear in college. So yeah. that's where the problem is. But, but I mean, the amount of vets that I've spoken to as well that are now raw feeding advocates, they go through a process. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, they they, yeah. they go through their own sort of journey of discovery, which. Yeah is kind of in some ways the best way to learn something yeah yeah true you know yeah I mean? it's 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 definitely changing you can feel that the, the change comes from the ground up you know change doesn't come from the top down it comes from the, the bottom up but you know um what's uh what's morrison say yeah they've got the guns but we got the numbers yeah so and that's a that's re, that's how all revolutions i hate all that kind of drama but like that's the way it happens. The market just goes, oh, this is bullshit, isn't it? And then they go, yeah, it was. Okay, we'll start making real food. We can see that some of the bigger companies now are starting to buy out the more natural brands. But it's the public moves away from the idea. Like the breast versus bottle milk debate, which was in the 70s, and Nestle, which is the most boycotted company in the world, makes a lot of pet food. And uh, they were pushing the idea that this bottle milk was 
better and they can say of that it is. of course it is of course it is and only their one and uh, and look listen you know there's a place for bottle milk god knows yeah. great yeah. so okay great but just not better than breast yeah. milk let's just not say that and uh, it took like 10-20 years millions and millions of pounds public money now and lots of science to prove that breast milk was better but they can say that shit willingly until eventually you prove them wrong and there they go of course you're going to follow it's the same with pet food how do, how, you know why do we have to prove that yeah Something natural is better than something that's exactly synthetic. It. That's the, uh, yeah, that's it. that's it. So the vets have leapt to destroy food without a single study. I was offering a ten thousand pound reward on the front of my Facebook page for a year, saying, "Show me a single study where dry food is better than real food for pets." A single study. Nobody ever tried to claim that prize because yeah. the study doesn't exist. And yet the vets will say, "Oh, we're evidence based. We're going by science." What science? What study? And yet, so they leap in dogma. And the problem is when a scientist, somebody like a doctor or a vet, who believes they're evidence based and believes in science but doesn't actually read it or understand it, when they leap in dogma, it's really hard to move a person yeah. off that. If you leap for science reasons, it's it, it's easy for me to shift. If you come up and tell me that this is actually good for dogs, I'll go, "Oh, cool. Shit, I was wrong about that." It turns out it's not, uh, you know, animal fat they need. It's plant fat. Okay, great. Jeez. Bill Gates burgers from you know <laughs> are the answers oh, I didn't know I didn't know cows are bad for the environment and it's like okay I get it now and I would I would flip flop in an instance it's not of no benefit to me to poison the atmosphere or whatever you know but if you leap in dogma then that person's very hard to shift and I believe if they've been given it if they've been charging for their advice like a doctor and a vet there's a huge ego thing attached to it I've been doing this for 20 years I can't turn around and suddenly say oh that was utter nonsense I've just been hurting people doing that so that's really hard to shift that person so I think the vets will change slowly but the market's changing quick 20% of the UK now feeding real food 20% that's crazy that's Yeah, 20 to 25% because those figures are based on the figures they have from companies but there's a lot of mom and pop businesses people buying stuff off supermarket shelves yeah. going straight to factories you know, so a lot of people uh, making it themselves. Yeah, as well. you know, yeah, the, all that. The whole I do. DIY, That's yeah. exactly it. So and so easy. So it's like, you know, the twenty percent is a minimum. But like I would say, one in four dogs are getting raw fed now, and that's without the support of a tiny handful of UK vets. So what what country's leading the way? Is that is that UK the, is now? That's, that's the gold standard yeah, internationally. I think if you talk about percentages of pet population and stuff, it used to be Australia for years and years, and recently now it's 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 the UK. Two hundred raw dog food companies. You know, massive population of dogs, 12 million dogs, uh, I think they have. And uh, 25% of them are feeding raw. So as a percentage, that's huge numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Australia was kind of, is, I'm sure it is just yeah. as good, but the figures don't seem as, as, as staggering as the UK. The UK is just like very, very, they've just talked me into it. It's hook, line, sinker. Most of the influencers are there. Now, the US still has Habib and Becker and they've got 4 million, 5 million followers each. And... Uh, but the US has a way more um, there's even more fear over that way yeah. uh, like it, it's, it's all fear fear of contamination they've also got a meat a meat chain that has a few issues you know so well yeah but they you also have if we're going to look at populations or countries in the world that have the biggest human dietary issues you're probably looking at the USA yeah. as well yeah that's the problem you know, you've got that the sugar epidemic through those those um country that stays through like Kentucky and that sort of yeah, area which yeah. is the same sort of area that had an opioid epidemic yeah, as well yeah totally yeah so totally. those sort of yeah. issues and then a massive obesity issue and then we copy that 
you know although Australia's even, got even, the, even the yeah listen we're only a couple of percentage points behind the US we laugh at them you yeah. know because really they dominate our TVs and we want but listen if you looked at an Irish beach and you looked at an American beach it'd be hard to tell the difference yeah, between yeah, the two of them yeah. uh, so we just copy what they're doing the whole food pyramid was invented in the US by seventh day evangelists you hear about this this is like yes, hear, I, yeah, I actually have heard about this. Oh my god! Tell it's a story. Like, yeah, they're vegetarian, like they're they're religion, you know, and uh, they're staunch vegetarians, and they were tasked with creating a food pyramid, and so they put you know obviously veg on the. We bottom. need a food pyramid. Yeah, who, who better should ask? we turn to? Yeah, somebody deeply religious. <laughs> I mean, that's as a start. You're thinking, can we not go to a scientist? But uh, and then Kellogg's got on board, and Kellogg's were. Did you know about I'm this? I'm so guy? glad you mentioned Kellogg's. Oh, so I'm going to ask you this question. He's a crazy man. Did you hear, hear his background? I was so I'm going to tell you what. My my understanding is not only heard this anecdotally and i hey man i love cornflakes yeah yeah i've heard he was a deeply religious fella very deeply and i heard he promoted a high you know correct me if i'm wrong yeah i heard he promoted a high carbohydrate diet to reduce sex drive that's right masturbation in in mental asylums that was what the invention that he was you know doesn't like masturbation apparently and apparently had sex with his wife twice in 40 years there's these kind of stats out there to make the guy an absolute freak I but, mean uh, you, you probably believe half of it but yeah, yeah exactly healthy yeah. healthy does but, but, but that the cornflakes like, I can't remember the name of the hospital but that was the invention a really bland diet that would turn off sexual urges in the, in the lads that were living there and it's like okay maybe it works maybe it doesn't but it doesn't sound like a good start to the kids breakfast but then the wheat and grain belt the wheat and corn belt in the US came online and so they needed to shift a lot of wheat and corn particularly uh, you know um, before and during and after the war they just had this enormous investment in huge amounts of grain and so having uh, seven day evangelists invent a food pyramid with loads of grain on the bottom suited them so next thing you know yeah flour, sugar well, it's all great stuff as much as you can get into you and then whoop you get this big huge it's enormous like population perfect storm yeah it is yeah and then pharma get in with the regulators and make sure you don't talk about sugar don't talk about carbs everything's fine because we love diabetes it's you unreal know? yeah and to, to you know I'll, I'll reference back to the and this I'll reference a, a um, dramatic um, representation of the you know, the opioid epidemic, when they started talking about, uh, oh, we made up this term called breakthrough pain. Oh, yeah. Made up oh, by yeah. the marketing oh, company of a pharma yeah. pharma pharmaceutical company. And I've actually had family members be prescribed medication and I've heard the use the term breakthrough pain. Yeah. When I watched that show, I fell off my chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was staggering. That was so that's, that's how that, that whole machine yeah. works. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. And, you know, and at the end of that, there's, you know, 5,000, 10,000 doctors that were just led by the nose doing, okay, oh yeah, we recommend opiates now, we recommend heroin now. It's like, what? There's lads coming off the pitch, your knee, my knee, we would have been on opiates in immediate, immediately. 100%. And I would have struggled to come off them because they're supposed to be absolutely awesome. I, actually, I had them. I had morphine after my my second knee operation. I mean, you get it anyway, but the second time, it's a tiny little brown pill. So it's just it's just heroin in a pill form. And the, <coughs> the guys that are getting knee replacements, they actually cut your limb off and yeah, put a fake I, knee. They're yeah, walking. Like, they're, Straight away they're walking. Whereas the guys that get Titanium, the ACL injuries, yeah, yeah. yeah the guy, you're lying there and uh, you're on morphine and you come to and you have your operation, you're chatting away, and the committee and the nurse comes along, and the lads in the water saying, "Make sure you tell your pain's really bad, or you won't get the morphine pill, and you want at least one more shot." And I'm like, "How's your how bad's your pain?" It's like, "Oh yeah, it's really bad. I wanted to try it. It's like six, seven, eight. And she goes, "There's paracetamol." And I was like, oh, and I instantly, just from being on morphine once, I was like, I just wanted to try it once more. I might as well be sitting here on morphine than anything else. Could you imagine? It's like, yeah, there's a for two weeks, go on home. It's like after oh two weeks God. on that. I, I, I ruptured my bicep tendon two years ago. 
So I had my whole shoulder reconstructed, right? I hadn't had surgery in a while. And they sent me home with um, the short acting, not not Oxy, which is the long acting, the, what's it called? The Vicodin's the American version. No, 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 I don't the, know um, oh, for God's sakes, I can't remember the name. Yeah. It's probably good, I can't remember the, yeah. the, the name of it. Anyway, it's it's a, it's a common, mm. common one. And I remember after about a week, I actually pulled myself up and I'm like, dude, you got to stop taking this. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, yeah. I was looking forward to yeah, taking it. Yeah, looking forward to taking it. And I was like, yeah, that's this. Okay, yeah. mate. You, yeah. you, and, I, and I said, right, I, I'm not in any pain. Yeah. Just roll on. Yeah. And I, and I stopped it. Yeah. And it just it popped into my head. I was they like, say that in the, they say in dog training, if you're still on the treats two weeks later, tre- treats are like painkillers. If yeah. you're still on them two weeks later, you're doing something wrong. When you're training your dog. When you're training your dog. Yeah. Treats as a, as a, as a bribe is the worst way to train a dog. So you why? start, you start off initially with using treats because you know, every dog likes a few treats and why not? And they, t- t- you know, it helps things. But if you're still using the treat to do that trick two weeks later, you haven't practiced enough and you haven't tried to come off the treats and now the dog is only doing it as a bribe and not a reward. So the idea is you come off the treats quickly and now the the, the value in a treat is not given. Think of a fruit machine. They're yeah. sitting there. Aussies love their fruit machines. Oh my God. <laughs> Very dangerous. Thank God I didn't play them anymore. Did play them for a few oh, years you as a the, kid. The they're one-armed bandits. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You guys have them everywhere. Fruit. Yeah. So there, the East Coast is riddled with them. So 75% of the world's poker machines are located in Australia. What? That's it. That's true. 75%. Oh my God. I did hear it was bad. I just can't believe it. And, and I'll give you another stat. This is, my so God. We're, we're a country that's, that's you know, we're essentially born out of convicts, right? Yeah. So yeah. gambling's a big part of our country. Yeah. There's more racehorses in Australia than the rest of the world combined. No way. That's mad. Now, I'm saying this on a podcast. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, that's yeah. stats that I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So I, there, there, I, there's I, royal commissions yeah. into this stuff. There's there's yeah. legislation coming Oh, they've through, been yeah. moved into like, you know, at the soldier places. What's the place where the, the, the lads go to drink? Um, With the RSL? Yeah. And they're moving them. Into, it's like, this is not the place you want to be. Ha- anyway. Uh, so, yeah. The, the, re- the reason those pokies work so well, they're, you know, they're, they're designed by scientists to, to hook you, right? And everything about the pokies. So, they don't pay out all the time. So, no. you're waiting for that. How it pays out. And when your money comes out, it doesn't just go... Foof, there's your money. It goes ching 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 ching. ching, ching. Yeah, one coin, one coin, spit, bump, bump in your heart, bump, 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 bump. Yeah, so that's how you give a treat. Crowds around. Yeah, yeah. So that's how you give treats to a dog. If you're initially you start off loads of treats. Okay, there you go. This is what I want you to do. Ideally with a clicker, you train the dog to do it. But with really quickly, within three or four days, the dog understands what the trick is, and so the treat doesn't come out every single time, and that makes them want it the more. So if you want to teach a dog how to play fetch, don't leave the fetch ball on the ground. Put it up on a shelf. Because the idea of you saying, do you want to play fetch, buddy? Do you want to play? And you take the ball off the shelf. He's going, oh, yeah, he's taking the ball off the shelf. If it's on the ground, it loses its value. It's just an everyday item. But it needs to come down and it needs to be put back up again. It needs to be removed. It's a thing that we will give you now and again. So the tree comes out now and again. And if you don't know when it comes, you work for it all the harder. And eventually it's just... Okay, rare. so this is a great topic. Mm. So two weeks of a treat every time. Yeah. Is that right? No, after two weeks, you'd be, you'd be looking at your treat pouch going, am I still using treats to teach you to lie down? Right, so, 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 I've done it so it's just, so you start off with intermittent treats. You start off with treats pretty regularly, pretty, yeah. I, like this, you do that and I'll give you a treat, do that, I'll give you a treat, do that, but does <clears> condition really quickly. Eventually, it's do that, I'll give you a treat, good boy. Do it again, good boy, there's another treat. Now I'm getting two lie downs and you get a treat. And you start to space out the amount of time. Like, like take recall for example getting a dog to come back is the easiest trick to get a dog to come back and put his knee on your or put his chin on your knee like excellent recall everybody wants it very few people have it calling the dog back in a park it's just you know, no come back and you're chasing your dog around and he's not coming back to you 
But excellent recall starts at home and like it's so simple to teach a dog to come back to you. All you gotta do is have a pocket full of sausages. And like he's nosing around the garden and you go and you make a noise, you might you know, you you just do a big raspberry, you know, and you look at you oh, and you like go the clickers. Oh, clickers are great, yeah. yeah. And you go, You want a sausage? He's like, Oh Jesus, yeah, I want a sausage. And he runs up, you go, Good boy, and you give him the sausage. And initially he gets a sausage every time he comes back to you. But eventually it just takes you a little bit longer to get the sausage out. So now he's learning to wait. So it's sitting wait, oh sorry, it's in the other pocket, buddy. Wait, good boy. There you go. So now he's learning to wait. So then he developed that weight sitting right now. He could be sitting there two or three minutes before he get the sausage out. And the sausage gets smaller and smaller. Then it's a disc. And then it's every now and again. I go, oh, sorry, I don't have any. Go on off. But at that point, as you've been working on recall for three, four, five days, eventually call him back a second time. And you go, oh, good boy. Call it. Bring out the, the, the fruit machine noises. Good boy. Look at your And you give him a wrestle. Get him in the head. Now, good, good boy. Pull his face. You're a good lad. I got a sausage this time. And he's like, God, I love coming back to you. So you bring out the fruit machine. It's great. You've got to be better than the deer and the rainbows in the park he yeah. gets out once a day yeah. to this poxy yeah. park and you're trying to call him back when his mates turn up I mean yeah. come on so you've got to be better than that so you've got so but you condition that into dog Pavlov's conditioning but the dream is you get off the treats because you can't be taking sausages out of your pocket every time the dog's not doing what he's asked to do he should do it because he loves you not because you're you're telling him to do it you know that's the trick is to get off the treats and just have a good boy tap him on the head time and effort man yeah that's, that's just people don't just, want to put that time in put that time and if you're still in, on right? painkillers you haven't been doing it enough yeah yeah you haven't yeah. been you haven't been doing the exercise or the stuff or whatever but yeah so the the uh yeah the painkiller thing is is a nice analogy for for each dog trainers as well but then you meet proper dog trainers and i'm not a proper dog trainer i, I realized quickly when you meet good really good dog trainers you go oh, bloody hell i'm not that good at all yeah dogs are geared to say yes guide dogs are bred to say yes and they've yeah. been through a year training with their family so by the time you get your hands on them they're like, okay okay and they'll do whatever you tell them yeah. but if you get it i got a cocker spaniel at the moment and he's just an absolute head case i mean i've had him 10 years on a you know a weekly basis my wife's saying like we need a dog trainer it's like i have a dog trainer i have a dog trainer but it's just he's just he's too smart is what he is and yeah. I, I spent too many years thinking this dog is thick as you know that cup but it's not it's me and he is like me and he's flighty and he won't do what he's told and it's like a trainer eventually said to me you know he's like that don't you so why because that's the way you are and i'm like oh yeah oh, i'm the most chill person you've you've ever met and he goes no you're not you're not you're just fly all the time your brain no 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 you're a flighty like him and i said you're the same kind of doofy kind of personality and i'm like oh, my dog's annoying half the time because oh. so <laughs> Yeah, and so that and like, that was a learning curve again, you know. I re- took this dog from mum. Mum said, this dog is just, I'm going to have a heart attack. So when I came back from Australia, I'll take him mum, I'll, I'll be all over him. But he's just, uh, he's still just a head case. He just doesn't, you know, he'll look outside and it's wet and he doesn't want to get his paws wet. So you just go put it in the corner of the house. That happens not too often, but now and again, yeah. I go, buddy what are you what are doing, you, doing nice? you can't be walking around mid-age having to poo in the kitchen it's just yes. it's not on we live in Ireland no. it rains all the time <laughs> I trained him to poo on command I trained he knows he poos out there but uh, oh look this anyway. I, I love that spirit in him you know he wouldn't change it but it's like having a difficult kid Yeah, I love the spirit in him but at the same time bloody hell the, it, it's funny you just spoke about conditioning the dogs you know for the, with that to come and put his chin on your knee mm. they condition us as well yeah. like they, my dog is the most manipulative dog. Oh, yeah. He is a horrific yeah. manipulator. He knows exactly what he's <laughs> oh, doing yeah. every yeah. time he oh, does yeah. it to me. Oh, yeah. You know, Perfect. and he thrives yeah. on it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. They train us. That's everybody says. And that. he, and yeah. you know, they, you know, I, I say he's like a, you know, in Jurassic Park when they, the veloc- velociraptors are prone yeah. for weakness. Yeah. 
My dog does that. There's a house full of people. He'll probe for yeah. weakness and he'll yeah. find his yeah. mark. Yeah, go, yeah. Totally, mark. totally, yeah. The granny walks in. It's like, exactly. oh, I love you, granny. Yeah, yeah right, you do. Yeah. yeah, she's covered in jam and crumbs. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, all of a sudden there's a hand coming down. Yeah. 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 So my 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 two boys, I've, I lost one, unfortunately, last year. But they stayed with my parents when I first moved over to LA. And they would never hassle me for food. My food. Yeah. They'd eat theirs, and they'd yeah. be generally pretty cool. Yeah, like Frank's, re- he was really food driven. The bulldog pub, yeah. Mastiff was cool. I come back after three and a half months with my my parents, with their grandparents. Oh yeah, he is just yeah. at me yeah. every yeah. time. I'm like, yeah. dude, Assassin's- you're not getting yeah. anything off me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you know, my yeah. dad would just sit there. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, he's a good boy, doesn't he? Yeah, he was a good boy. Yeah, no, he's a bad boy. He's yeah, an absolute yeah. yeah, that's it. But yeah. he does. He'll just, he, he and he's so I don't know if it's the breed, but he is the most opinionated, stubborn bastard yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But no I'd doubt. never change it. Yeah, that's it. People don't talk about the harder sides of autumn dogs sometimes, you know, because it's got to be always be this fairy tale kind of situation. It's like it's not, it's not easy. Sometimes you got got a few issues, but like when you're dealing with the health things all the time you get that all the time it's like people are so surprised when they're feeding raw and something can go wrong and then it's it's, it's tempting to throw their baby out with the bathwater. you know like yeah. you said people can jump to raw hoping it's going to fix everything it's like no your dog probably has major issues there's a lot of things we have to do to get the dog back up to full health food is, is one chunk of it that we need to deal with but your it's dog, a hell of a good start though. oh it's most important it's a foundation it's the same with tr- same with behavior if you want a kid if you want to go work with your kid and train a dog like you know you, you got a kid's birthday party and you bring out the shit food 15-20 minutes later the kids are hopping off the walls and yeah. it's the worst place in the world to be and it's like you put them all outside and you lock the door and that's it that's what you get for serving shit food to kids but if you serve kibble to a dog every day how are you expecting him to concentrate 15-20 minutes later high carb low protein crap fats chemical preservatives colours like terrible for the gut flora inflammatory uh, and you and studies show when you feed raw food they have more butyrates uh, they have more GABA which are neurotransmitters for getting the dog to calm down I mean everything about feeding raw is the opposite of that so that is going to make a dog easier to train it's just a fact it just has to be the case that if you don't feed your kid Cheerios they're going to be better studies show if you start a kid in a high glycemic breakfast like a high sugary cereal the same companies that sell you this shit food for pets are selling this shit food for kids they are willing to push breakfast cereal on you now has vitamin B and some zinc in it sound familiar that's how they sell you the dry pet food it's the same <laughs> yeah, crap yeah. it even looks the same yeah. you know what I mean Nesquik yeah. cereal balls and dry pet food what's the difference yeah. 4% bone meal that's the only difference between those two products so like you know and studies show that that's an awful start for a kid in the morning it, it destroys your concentration you're going to be hungry in 20 minutes later and you're going to be obese and you're going to be lazy and you're going to be everything else so you know, why would that be a good start for your pets? They're meat eaters. A whole other level of protein and fat need than we have. And you're starting pets off on that and then you're going to try to train them. So the foundation, you're right. Like to get that right, same if you if studies show dry food causes recurring skin, ear and gut conditions, most of those studies produced in the top journals we have, then surely if you want to remedy that condition, number one is stop feeding the issue, get off the issue and get off the crappy treats and all the other stuff. Just give the dog a day off from all the junk that you're being sold and just put them onto a decent single protein raw dog. How are you on turkey dog? How are you on lamb? How are you on kangaroo? That's it. There you go. He's good on that. He's bad on that. Great job done. Most of the time he'll be good on them all. You know, it's so simple. Time and effort before. Yeah. Said common sense before. Let's have those three together. Time, effort, common sense. If you're going to have a dog, you need to possess 
and display all of that. Yeah, you, uh, you think you've got to take a little bit of ownership for the fact that I need to know a few little bits. You know what I mean? Same with your own health. We have given off all decisions to the doctor. You're going, okay, I have to buy what? And okay, you're taking whatever. you got to own a little bit of it. How do I get over a cold? But that's How do a, I get over a flu? It's like a generational thing. Though. You know? my, my dad would never question a doctor. Yeah, no. He's like, oh, the no, doctor knows best. Doctor my knows best. my mum's like, exact same. And yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm yeah. like, well, hang on, actually. Yeah. Explain that to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Why that's are we it. doing this? Yeah, but you can't even talk to them about it. They're like, oh. I mean, I don't know anything, but I'm going to ask questions. Yeah. because I'm paying that doctor I'm yeah. entitled to ask the yeah. questions I had this look I've got this good story look at my uh, my um, wife on our wedding day got Lyme disease okay yeah Lyme disease and uh, we didn't know that at the time so we got married in this cool old room over in Rome and out in the country organic farm and you're playing with the pigs beforehand and there's no parasite control using all that sort of stuff uh, one of the advantages of parasite control yeah. and uh, anyway so the day of the wedding she's waving off and uh, talk, talking to people and then the next day she goes oh, my feet are tingling and numb and I'm like oh, don't worry about stupid shoes cobbly ground you know whatever and then two days later you're waving a few people off some of the guests aren't, are going early and wave. she goes my hands and feet are tingling I'm thinking oh, that's a bit weird and within about a week or two we're in a couple of different GPs and I'm face a bit numb and I was like, I can, I'm tasting pennies. I'm tasting like battery. And I'm like, this is weird shit. And then we do a big long tour of the US and we just go A and E to A and E. It's like, okay, this. She waits, I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs. I'm thinking it's fucking MS. It's MS. And uh, I'm one of my friends got aggressive the aggressive form of MS one in ten people get this where in two or three months she was in a wheelchair completely annihilated with it in the two or three months she went from being a healthy dog trainer to a bump into it so so I was aware that this can happen people our age and the most common age of onset is a 35 year old female and Elaine was 34 at the time so I was like so we start going anyway we get back from the thing and you know it was all this drama and we're thinking this is going to be really bad and it's like, you know, you're trying not to freak out then you go from one brain surgeon to another brain surgeon various scans and we'll take a lumbar puncture if we find this protein in it you're going to end up going this guy oh, all that shit that would be awful if we find information in your brain yes yes to the protein the protein just checks for an autoimmune disease it doesn't tell you anything MS is a hard thing to pin down they don't even know why it kicks in in people and eventually you end up in front of the brain surgeon who specialises in MS and he goes, why do you think you're here? Because they won't tell you. I hate this bullshit talk that they do. And I'm sitting there with Lane and I said, we're here because you're the MS doctor. And he goes, yes, yeah. And I said, so you think it's MS? And he goes, well, you know, it does look like that way. And I said, but is it MS? And, it's, and he's like, well, it's not. It's the prelim to, to MS, whatever that disease is called. And I said, what's that? And he goes, well, there's, there's some things don't check out. And I said, correct. This, this, this doesn't, this bit here, this bit here doesn't happen in MS. And he goes, oh, but it's a neurological thing and things like that can happen. I said, but it's not MS at the moment. And I said, but it might be soon MS. I said, what makes it from not MS to MS? So I'm asking all the normal questions that he wouldn't be prepared for because most people aren't prepared for the science of yeah. it. So I'm saying, yeah. And, and then I'd say, give us a look at the studies give me what are you basing that on yeah. so I'd say just just show me two or three of the studies that backed it up because I can't find anything because I can research this shit out of something <laughs> so I'm sitting there and he doesn't want to hear any of that and then I said you haven't asked her about her stress you haven't asked her does she smoke you haven't asked her about her diet I said there could be something there could be a missing factor here maybe you know B1 if you're low on B1 you get these neurological symptoms and uh, but she wasn't because we checked all that and uh, he, he goes you can try all those things so he just poo-pooed it straight away, which removes your hope that you might be able to dodge this disease. And I was angry. So I could sense that. Anyway, I'm asked to kind of leave the room. I'm standing outside and I'm furious that he said that, that he just we would pull out the carpet from underneath her. And uh, so I'm sitting there. And within 24 hours, I had bumped into one, two, three people with Lyme disease. If you start sending out those signals and looking, you will yeah. find the answer. And I thought, do you know what? You know, my mate was a captain in the English army. And uh, he said, oh, my, my lads are getting 
uh, they're on doxy, which is an antibiotic that you're supposed to take if you have Lyme disease. Uh, we take that preemptively because they train in eczema out in all these fields of long grass and they're constantly getting Lyme disease and knocks them out of practice. And we can't have that because yeah. you're trying to train up in six months to send them off. He said, it's just uh, so you put them, excuse me, language puts you put them all and I'm thinking that's interesting. Lyme disease, what's that? And he goes, Oh, it just sounds like what your what your wife is suffering. And it's like, oh, yeah, but that can't be it. And then I talked to somebody else and then I talked to my photographer who was doing things for my website and she had it terrible. It laid her out her organs start shutting down because it hides away and the immune system doesn't know where it's I know it's in your liver. I know and it, it this little virus viruses, all different types of different things, will hide out and so the body starts to attack itself, autoimmune disease, hence the protein it right. hid in Elaine's brain, hence the inflammation. You start thinking you're going mad because you're, yeah. and uh, so I said, "Oh, this is ringing true." And then one more comment, and then next thing I know, I'm talking to somebody. They said, "Get onto German Armin Labs." I go back into the brain, dude. It might be Lyme disease. It's not. It might be Lyme disease. It's not. Take blood ever. Let's send it to Armin Labs. It's our head people in Germany. No, and so it's like, what? Go to the local GP. We'll do this test. Don't do that test. That's a fifty percent failure rate in that test. Get the bloods out and send it to Armin. I don't want your opinion. Eventually, I get the nurse. You have to battle it out of them. Take the blood out of her arm. 48 hours later, text your phone. You've mega problems. You've got Lyme disease and co-infections and you need to get on antibiotics and all sorts of shit. We went the natural way. We went the antibiotic way. We went everything for 12 months and then she's grand now. But she, a total success story. But that went from being a complete convert and believing in what medicine do to like, <clears throat> oh, that was a failure. And then I had another failure recently with my best mate where, um, you know, during COVID there was a, he had a bit of a wobble, bit of a bit of a wobble. And uh, did, like within it, within days the GP had him on antidepressants anti-anxiety tablets and sleeping tablets and I'm like why is he on all that shit you know and and he, I said are you depressed he actually goes well yeah I'm struggling to sleep so you're struggling to sleep it's a big big problem like it, it can totally ruin you and uh, to cut a very long story short because I don't want to to, 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 to to voice everything but in essence he, that's a mental there's a there's a, there's a behavioural issue so you need to talk to somebody that understands brains that's not you don't talk to a GP about behavioural issues. If you're feeling anxious and depressed, don't talk to a GP or do talk to a GP. I shouldn't tell people not to talk to their GP. No, but then move, but you move me. through that. Move me. Talk to the local nurse. Go to a specialist. Sits down and goes, okay, let's chat about it because everything was fine. Great wife and life and everything's fine. Couldn't pinpoint the issue. I said, well, there's a kink there or something up, but taking that is not the way it's to fix it. Hammer approach with a, with medicine. It's, it's, it's just crazy. And so, <clears throat> so grab him and goes swimming every morning at dawn at March in Ireland Good worst right. possible pain you could go through and we go for a run he couldn't run and uh, you get there he used to be really fit but that all went away and uh, eventually start throwing ourselves in the sea and, and we wouldn't you know we would just have a it's hard to talk to your best friend you know lads talk shoulder to shoulder not face to face so that's why high stools and pubs work very very well for most lads <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and sporting occasions and anything where you just don't have to look at each other and uh, but yeah so and then within about two or three weeks he goes this is like the most normal I felt now and half a year and then bump comes out the other side I'm not saying that was the absolute cure but I think it helps yeah, it you know what I mean it's, it doesn't hurt it's just like that just needs so uh, I had a couple two or three I had a couple other stuff I couldn't be bothered getting into it but a few other bits and pieces where I thought you know if I most people are not geared up to think this way they just go I'll just do whatever the doctor tells me and it's like you don't understand you don't understand the doctors aren't reading papers of course, of course they are they're scientists they don't read the studies studies show they're not reading any you've, studies you've just got to be your own advocate yeah you do Yeah. Yes, whether it's with your vet or with yeah. your, your doctor yeah they, they do great jobs all yeah. doctors, vets, dentists course, they all do phenomenal. great jobs yeah. but you've just got to be your own advocate yeah. because you know your own body better than anyone yeah. and you probably know your own dog better than anyone yeah, yeah. so you've it. actually just got to ask the question say actually it's not about being a dick in yes, the and saying you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Hey, can we investigate this? Can we try that? Yeah, that's it. You just you just you just 
talking. You're just asking questions and which not, you're yeah. allowed to. Like, yeah, it's okay. Well, you can you, questions. Yeah, you can question have conversations and, with them. Yeah. You know? And you're recommending this drug. And it's like, well, what do you know about this drug? Yeah. How effective is it compared to the other drug? Are there any and side like, effects? Yeah, that's it. You know, he's, he's well, got a bad thing yeah. here. Will it affect that? What was oh, the actually, most, it might. You what know? was the most convincing study that told, and, yeah. and showed to me? And let me have a quick read of it because everyone can understand the abstract of a study. So it showed to me because if that person, if you ask me the study for anything supporting what, if you ask me anything, I will rattle off. Not only who did the study, I'll tell you every single fact of it. I know of the 100, 200 most convincing studies for raw v. dry and that kind of stuff, I know them verbatim because yeah. I do this thing every day. So that's what a researcher does. But I'm not practicing medicine. If I was practicing medicine, I wouldn't have time to do what I do, yeah. which is digest all this stuff and write about it. So it's two different disciplines. So you can't expect a GP or vet to know this sort of stuff. They're at the cold phase. Like a vet comes out of school and they don't just have like, you know, a GP just has a human person to look after. But we've also got physiotherapists and we've got anesthesiologists and we've got surgeons. A vet is all those Everything. things. Every yeah. ologist of every animal on the planet. Yeah. Dr. Doolittle. So you can do cats, dogs, sheep, cows, Horse, kangaroos, tortoise, fish. Pig. You're the master of all those animals. Yeah. Every bit of it. Oh, man. And you've got to be give, go into a veterinary clinic and now you're a small business owner. So you've got bills to pay. You've got staffing issues. It's like, what do you think they're doing? They come home. Oh, yes. Took into six hours in, of research every in, day. In Australia, no medical care for dogs well you get yeah. private health cover yeah, but there's yeah. no yeah. public health so yeah. you're going in there oh why am i paying a hundred dollars for a prescription when yeah. my prescription is 15 yeah because yeah. there's no medicare yeah, yeah 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 you know the vet can't just yeah. foot the bill for yeah. you you and gotta understand that 10 15 of their bills don't get paid because people come in get the dog fixed and, and the, just, the vet will, and just go so they have a really high uh burden of so all this they need make a mega stress there's the, one of the most likely su uh, suicide rates. They're, they're just behind dentists yeah. in, the, in the medical yeah. profession. That's as crazy. Far as dentists are as well. A, a vet, and you think of what someone has got to be like to become a vet. Yeah. They're animal lovers. Yeah, yeah. So totally. they're great people. Yeah. And then the emotional trauma of just putting down dogs all the time and seeing a lot of sickness, recurring sickness. Oh. And, and now people coming in better educated than they are in nutrition and saying, you're say what you're saying is wrong and it's harming dogs. That is serious stress for a young kid who's like, I'm trying to help. But unfortunately, they've been schooled at the wrong. And that is the that is the isn't that so? It's so fucking tragic. But the, it's the, tragic. The, the message is for you know a dog owner out there is to just be kind. Ask yeah. the questions. Yeah. Just be kind. Yeah, yeah. As you it. said, they're just yeah. trying to do their their job. Yeah. And do the, the yeah. Best thing for your pet. That's it. So it's like, and vets are coming on side and slowly but surely, you know. But it's it's kind of up to the public to kind of bring them along. But it's the same with GPs as well. It's the same with everything. It's like you. You got to own a little bit of it. You've got to say, okay, I've got this pet. I've taken it into my house. Well, listen, what's it eat? You know what I mean? Go read. Go do a little course for two hours. Go read a book. Go to my site, dogsfirst.ie. Read a couple of little articles and, you know, just get set up a little bit. Going, oh, I can do this myself. But you need to be prepared. I mean, what do you do if your dog gets a scratch? What do you do if he gets a sore ear? They don't need a vet for absolutely everything. No. Any more than your kid does. Yeah. But if he gets a cough, what do I do? Straight down to the vets. <clears throat> He's got a cough. It's not the end of the world. He's Stop gonna, bringing him he, down to the dog park. Take his collar off. Rest him. Here's a couple of natural if solutions. If he throws up, mm, yeah, throw up. that's exactly it. You know? If he gets diarrhea, what do I do? It's like yeah, it's just it's diarrhea. Just diarrhea. Like, I mean, how many times do we get diarrhea every year? Yeah. What do we do? But you go straight down the vets. Antibiotics and steroids. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like no, hang on there. Let's just fast the dog. Okay. Let's skip a meal. Move him on to a nice, simple, digestible meal for a couple of days, and then we're slowly moving back onto his real food. Problem solved. But they go down to the vets for that, and they've just spent a hundred quid, like. It's just people aren't kind of taking ownership. It's just like, ah, do you know what? Trust. It's just like, it's not enough. You just mentioned dogs first. Yeah. So, you know, we've been through your CV, mate, with your 
We didn't mention Dragon Den with it. Dragon yeah. Den with it. We should have yeah. mentioned that one. Dog didn't eat the food live on TV. Oh my God. Can you imagine it? Oh eat me alive, ground. Oh it was God. horrible. I was going to fake a faint and just be dragged off the stage. You get it, eat it yourself. But, uh, oh. It's good. Yeah, I, I, the dogs had left the stage. They were stunt dogs. The, the dog I wanted to bring on was this enormous Great Dane, black mm. and white, beautiful fella. And But he was feeling a bit under the weather. He wasn't right. So she goes, I'm going to take on his sister and his brother gorgeous as well I mean if you don't know dogs any Great Danes impressive yeah. and so these two, two Great Danes walk in and, and then Carolyn brings the dogs out and then one of the dragons goes let's see him eat it then and I'm like no no that's been under the lights just warm food yeah. it's been out there for three or four hours the dog's not who wants to eat in front of all these people it's like yeah there's a big steak enjoy John you're like yeah, I'm a bit nervous yeah yeah <laughs> it's like you're going to the toilet and so you're going to the toilet it's like I was until you stopped started talking to me um, but uh, yeah so they brought the dog out and of course the dog walks up sniffs it looks at me and then just walks off and I'm like I'm going to kill you dog <laughs> but uh, yeah so they love that because that's pure TV yeah. and it's like they couldn't wait to show that so that was it was kind of fun but it was good and it worked it was successful and business was good then after that yeah and, I, and, and still i suffered you know it's easy you get staff you get machinery and sales were good and my cash started bottoming out and i'm like what is going wrong on top of the fact i'm dealing with vets a hostile department of agriculture uh, vermin the lowest of the low and um so you're dealing with these civil servants and they're like yeah but it's not a kibble factory so no no it's fresh yeah, dog it's food fresh. but fresh dog food is dangerous and so you're just dealing with this on a monthly basis it's so trying and with your cash bottoming out and you're working you know 16 18 hour days you're up at four o'clock in the morning to make some food to bring it to a football pitch and carry and go do you want some ground up duck in a tube and they're like yeah. no yeah. It's, it's a hot summer's day <laughs> you know i'm not giving that to my dog and it's uh it was just the trauma of it but uh that was that was the raw the, the raw dog food but, uh, how did that then I guess what did you learn from that taking it to dogs first yeah well actually, you've got to see how the sausage is made you know if you're yeah. going to start talking about pet food you need to see behind the scenes and when you see behind the scenes with the meat industry particularly and we'd have a pretty good meat industry in Ireland you'd be spoilt rotten it's all grass fed and that kind of stuff we've a few the butchers here are amazing yeah everything's great everything's good for quality and unfortunately we, we got rid of all our small abattoirs and we moved them all to central slaughtering and now we have mega farms coming from the US China invented mega farming the US perfected it with CAFOs concentrated animal feed operations so we slagged the, the Chinese off for this but actually the Americans are doing it way better and now there's a thousand mega farms in the UK so these are massively dense concentrated animals and when you do that and you just feed them wheat and corn what happens is you get lots of salmonella E. coli because that's not what any animal mm. supposed no animal is supposed to live on wheat and corn and so this salmonella E. coli rises in the population so they need antibiotics and so you control but a small dose of antibiotics which is the perfect way to, to evolve antibiotic resistance and so you've got all these issues that is destroying antibiotics for us which are the best drugs we ever had and they these farms now exist in, in the UK and they're going to come into Ireland because Ireland will do whatever you know yeah. we're not supposed to have unstunned meat you know getting killed but we've got a massive halal sector and that kind of stuff so like that's this stuff percolates in even though the veterinary council goes oh no we don't agree with that you know forget that this is profitable so we have problems but the the American meat sector would be kind of worse than us. anyway so we have you need to understand how all that works before you start spouting about it and so I that's what it taught me it taught me hard work it taught me how pet food manufacturing taught me how hard it is to keep clean meat mm. if you get in and you're producing 10 tons of something in a day and your chicken wings have an issue carcasses and necks will have the issue because when the bird is eviscerated like you know it's a hoover up its butt and just sucks everything out it, it the tube the gut tube breaks at the throat and the ass and so gut content splash and that's where you call it in salmonellative so things like necks which the raw dog food industry is mm. based on and carcass are more likely to have higher 
amounts of this stuff in it. <clears throat> so if you have a contaminated batch in and you try to contact that massive company, this huge and massive meat processor, multi-billion, and you're saying, hey guys, I'm this little tiny per- per- pet food producer down here and I believe your dick- chicken necks, they're like, Pff. you know, yeah. you're gone. So I'll tell you what, son, don't buy our chicken necks. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, that's the ruse. And so now you're left with all this raw dog food and it's like, I can't, blow zero on you know your enter or bacteria reading or whatever because it's too high in this so what do i do yeah. it's like so these these are the issues that small business have but big businesses don't have those issues because yeah. they're like we own the department of agriculture <laughs> you know what i mean they just pay them off well, look i don't say i say that willy-nilly they don't yeah, pay, they don't pay them off but yeah. they definitely do work together of course to, to produce a product and the u.s permits salmonella in the food chain at least we don't permit it but yeah. it's there if you've got mega farms you're gonna have salmonella called grass-fed outdoor reared animals don't suffer those issues but it's very hard to make a good quality raw dog food product on outdoor reared grass fed organic like that's a premium people can't afford yeah to, they, they look at it and go why is it three times the price, the price of this they don't have a clue you know it's just like well you don't understand how hard it is to produce that animal and you know even the, the legalities of trying to kill those animals on site which is the best way to kill an animal don't cart them off to a slaughterhouse where you can hear and smell everything he can see it coming she can see it coming um you know what I mean? Way better do it on do it on site. These people kill animals just like that, and you know, so that would be great. But anyway, so that's what that taught me: a bit of hard work and an appreciation for how that business works and that kind of stuff, uh, and what is wrong with the business. You know, so you get to see a few dry pet food companies. Unbelievable! They're like hospitals. It's like a beautiful setup. They don't show you the ingredients. You know, <laughs> they'll show you the the setup is beautiful. Like it's just unbelievable. So um, yeah, so that was the start of it. And then, but now. I don't want to manufacture anything, so I, I have a few little bits and pieces of a range of. You sup- had a couple of supplements. There. I got my supplements. Yeah, that's put, hopefully put my kids through college. But a few like a natural kind of supplements that's developing now of a new yeast kind of supplement coming out and called Propitium, and um, and a few other things that I've gotten a couple of patents on and working with. You get to meet cool people that are doing stuff, but their products not getting off the ground. And I go, oh, cool. Listen, I can. That's going to work for me. I can definitely help there. So you can jump in. So that's much better for me. So I'm learning that now that I have this following. I've got a good traffic on the side. So I'm now kind of not manufacturing is definitely I'm good up the front you don't want me running your business I'm just too I'm like a puppy chasing a crisp package you know it's like I'm a 90% guy as, as, as mum or as Elaine my wife will always say Elaine's an accountant she's financial right financial kind of she does all the stuff for Ancestry.com so, so she's up the top of that and she she can run a business but don't come to her with an idea or something she's like no 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 this is the way we run a business you know yeah, and that's yeah. what you want you want someone like Elaine running your business and you want me up the front going oh I've got another idea as I'm chewing an apple Sarah's my my wife's got a um, finance she's oh, a finance there you go. Well. she's the real yeah, that's, she's yeah. the smart one yeah I'm that's like, it yeah, yeah. I'm going to do a podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah totally that's it you know so it's uh, but you know there's a place for everyone and uh, and and the idea is people to stay at the front I the noticed back. a couple of probiotic yeah supplements and yeah. products yeah. on there as well you know, I did yeah, Chris Essex from Big Dog he's a massive probiotic yeah and I, I spoke to Dr. Nicole Rouse as well she's a fan of Shy Tiger and um, from Mont Albert Vet Surgery in, in Melbourne as well we speak about probiotics a lot and I have this theory that the, the subject and the world of probiotics is like the next kind of area of science that is just going to take off and blow people's minds. Oh, yeah. It's like the quantum realm in yeah. Ant-Man, right? Yeah, like totally You've got is. these billions of bacteria. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. you've got to shrink so yourself cool. to yeah. you know, that, that quantum realm yeah. level. Yeah. So I'm microscopic and there's this entire universe going on with these yeah. within these probiotics. Yeah. 
And, awesome. and what they're doing is, is yeah. phenomenal and what they can do is yeah. mind That's all I've been doing this year and next year I'm doing a few bigger talks in the US now so um, but it's all going to be on probiotics so it's like advancements in probiotics like listen to this one on Alzheimer's Alzheimer's is a huge big yeah. issue obviously it's striking down loads of people it's an inflammatory disease like most of the other things that hit us it's an inflammatory disease so if you suffer a lot of inflammation you're more likely to get Alzheimer's so, so it's a, there's, a, there's an inflammation link and your gut flora and your gut produce the most inflammation. 80% of your immune system is around your gut. So if you antagonize that, if you have a recurring GI issue, recurring gut issue, IBS, IBD, you get chronically inflamed. So a lot of inflammation can come from the gut as a point. Anyway, these people started thinking is there a gut link between Alzheimer's and uh, uh, gut inflammation and Alzheimer's. So they said, let's have a look and see if there's a gut flora link. And so they got these mice and they, you can genetically engineer these mice that they are going to get Alzheimer's at a certain time in their life. They have it right down to a T. So they grow up and they're going to get Alzheimer's in the latter stage of their life. That's just genetically hardwired into them. And they rear them in a little glass box where they can't have any gut flora. So they have no gut flora, but they're designed to get Alzheimer's. So if you leave the gut flora in the mouse, they get Alzheimer's. If you take the gut flora out of the mouse, they don't get Alzheimer's. So they're thinking, holy shit, mice with no gut flora don't get Alzheimer's. So they're thinking, okay, is this a particular species of bacteria? And they, let, they, they, they track the inflammatory compound and they say, it's okay, it's three or four different species of bacteria. So they've narrowed it down to three or four species of bacteria. They're going to get the Nobel Prize for this. Uh, narrowed down to three or four species of bacteria. And to prove that it was bacteria related, they had these mice, they let them have these bacteria, grow up with these bacteria, and they snipped the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is how the gut flora communicates with the brain. 90% of it goes up to your brain, 10% of it comes back down again. So it's just pure signaling from yeah. the gut, what's going on. That's how you interact with your environment. And your gut flora control all that. And when you snip the vagus nerve, they don't get Alzheimer's. Even more so, listen to this, rear the mice, genetically predisposed to have Alzheimer's, but have to have no gut flora, okay? Rear them, take gut flora, from a human that has Alzheimer's, put it in the mouse, they develop Alzheimer's. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. And it's like, what? Like, I mean, this is this is one of my major talking points for next year. I'm going to say that. But like, I, I had to do a talk there on ProBox with Rafi and Veterinary Society and this sort of stuff. Like, you just look at that one thing alone, you could be, you, you could tumble down that rabbit hole for like, and I'm thinking, why is that not the front page of the Irish Times? How is that not on the front page of like, I, I, Google? I feel like Neil you know, deGrasse Tyson should be talking about ProBox. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Mate, it's been an unbelievably rich and, and robust uh, chat with you. And, you know, I think we've crammed in a lot. I've learned a hell of a lot. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate you taking the time Christmas week. Yeah, love it. To come and have a chat to me. Where, where do people find you, Connor? How, like, what's your, tell me your, your social handles. Uh, Dogs First on Dogs Facebook. Dogs First, yeah. Yeah, you'll see me there. Dogs First Ireland, I think it is, because somebody in Australia just took this name, Dogs First, used my logo and everything, oh, and just starts a Facebook page. I'm like, can you do that? And they're like, yeah, you don't own it in Australia. And I'm like, oh, oh my man. God. But uh, yeah, so look, Dogs First on Facebook, and the, there's nobody else that's anywhere close. And, but yeah. um, And same on Instagram, but uh, I have the website, dogsfirst.ie, where we get free information. I've also got a, a new website here, drconnorbrady.com. Ah, okay. I'm moving. I do all these online courses and and uh, I've got this new AI, which we didn't get a chance to talk about, but it's just, I'm getting starting to get a bit obsessed about it. I'm an obsessive person, I think. But uh, this AI, I kind of fought it initially and thought, oh, this is something, but you need to 
you need to be aware of what's yeah, yeah. So you start having genies out of the bottle, man. Yeah, yeah. So might as well just try and you know <laughs> have one working for me. But um, yeah, so you can actually train them up. You can give them all the information on your website, all your Facebook posts, all the YouTube videos, all the courses you've done, any of your books you've written, and you dump it all into this, and you can train up your own AI. And people can come along, and just ask them a question. DrConnorBay.com forward slash forward slash ask brady and you can just go there and there's an ai and it is incredibly intuitive and as it gets better i can gear them up and i can start putting other yeah. things into them and uh it's just brilliant so now people say like you know how much do i feed my dog or what would i give a dog with kidney disease or Bang. what if what's the nutrient content of this meal boom boom here's these ingredients do this and you can just how do i make treats how if i've got these three ingredients how would you turn that into a, an appropriate anything you can ask it anything uh you know tell me about dcm the scandal with grain free pet food tell me about afco tell me about dry show me the studies in raw it's all ready to go and it'll just come out to you as opposed to google which is um the problem you have people have with look, looking for things online is that you don't know what you're reading it's heavily um tweaked of you know, course it is of course yeah, it is you know of you know, course it is you, you and then yeah, for, yeah for that's it and then you've got that. all these you know government websites at the top yeah. and you're like mm, i don't think anybody's listening to them anymore and like oh, where's the good stuff so you don't know which one to click and then when you're reading it, you don't know how true it is but if people do come to trust what i've been saying and then they're picking up what i'm putting down it's like now you can actually ask me and i've already filtered out the information saying look this is the contents of feeding dogs you can just ask and things so you don't have to buy the book the book's yeah. 50 books or 30 yeah. 35 euros it's enormous it took 10 years to write it but now you don't even have to buy that. You can just go look at the contents page and go, you know, that's interesting. Like, so where's the evidence for low protein diets in dogs? And just ask Brady and it comes in this really well written, better than I could say it, you know, and they get their Chat answer. GPT so answer. I kind of think that's, yeah, I think that's, that's the, the ChatGPT is the way forward. Yeah, I think so. Trusted sources online, whoever you trust to give you information and then you can go pick their brains. So the advantage for me is that I've written down absolutely everything. I've just been writing these articles that very few people are reading. You know, you talk to kind of Habib and a few, they they do a lot of social media. It's just online, real simple, two-minute video. Boom, millions of people watch it. I'm writing this article for two or three days, loads of studies. Nobody reads it, <laughs> you know? Edutainment, I don't do that. I'm just like, no, here's the science and the facts. But few people want it like that. And so... but So the, that's yeah. drconnorbrady.com. That's the new baby. .ie. Yeah, .com. Yeah, and, and uh, then you've got dogsfirst.ie, .ie, which is where there are all your supplements that's the free are available and, and your training courses are on there as well. And, yeah, yeah. You're on socials? Yeah, so it's your Facebook and Instagram, Facebook Dogs and First. Yeah, Dogs those first. Two, that's it. I'm not going to Twitter. It's not, and then, not the place for me. No, nah, fair I can't enough. let myself go we'll in there. rabbit holes there. <laughs> there is, yeah. And then it's Raw Pet Medics on all the uh, YouTube and all the that's podcast right, yeah. platforms. Yeah, Raw Pet Medics on Tuesday nights, 7 o'clock GMT. We do that and... Uh, yeah, that's kind of, most of the time it's Facebook. I'd, I'd pop up a post three, four times a week. Just various things that come into my head. And good engagement on that. The what? people that, you know, the group that are most follow us are like 30 to 50 to 60 yeah. year old people. So I'm not, I don't seem to be, you know, if you want to, you need to go on TikTok. You need to go on all that kind of stuff for, to get the younger people. I'm not there. And it's like, I'm not allowing myself. I have someone that's starting to do TikTok videos for me. She just takes some of the content yeah, and produces. Like yeah, yeah. I just, I, I can't do it anymore. I'm, you know, I've got kids. I need to be present at some stage, you know? So, uh, yeah. Well, mate, it. I'm glad we got to have this chat. Um, Loved it. If you're listening, that was uh, Dr. Connor Brady. Um, if you're listening as well, make sure you sub subscribe to this podcast, pause and listen, and give us a five-star rating because I reckon we deserve yeah. it for this one. Yeah. Man. You, you most definitely do. I was, I was just a passenger here, but you definitely deserve it. If you've got any questions, you can email uh, Big Dog Pet Foods, customer care at bigdogpetfoods.com. You can get on their website. You can give them a call. Just simple Google check will get you the phone number for Big Dog Pet Foods and just listen to the voice of the fellow who answers the phone. You might recognize it. 
Um, and please, for myself and Connor, give your dogs a scratch and a cuddle from us. And feed them real food. And feed them the real yeah. food, mate. Connor, thank you, mate. Pleasure. Absolute blast. Pleasure, John. Thanks very much. See you next year. You bet. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information and content, visit the Big Dog Pet Foods website. Please note that the information discussed in these podcasts is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes only. The information provided is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional advice or care. If any of the topics discussed raise questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for an individual assessment and advice. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.